Hello, and welcome to the Williamsburg Unitarian Universalists. We are a vibrant liberal religious community that treasures diversity, practices justice, and teaches love and respect for everyone. We grow spiritually through worship, shared learning and service, and relationships that go deep. As we say each Sunday, whoever you are, whomever you love, whatever your image of the holy, your presence here is a gift. All are worthy, all are welcome. Good morning, and it is my pleasure to welcome you to the Williamsburg Unitarian Universalist online worship service. Today is a special service. The presence of our guest speakers is actually a gift to WUU from the UUSC, the Unitarian Universalist Service Committee for WUU being one of the congregations to host a journey to asylum family. The worship leaders today are Reverend Laura Randall, Associate Director for Congregation Relations at UUSC, and Heather Vickery, the Coordinator for Congressional Activism for the UUSC and the UU College of Social Justice. We are also joined by our Director of Religious Education, Austin Peterson, and our amazing AV team. If you are on Zoom, at this time you might want to change the speaker view so that you'll have a better view of whoever is speaking. Our AV technicians will be muting and unmuting you as needed. If you'd like to follow along with the order of service, you can visit wuu.org to download a copy. If you're visiting today, we invite you to share your name in the chat if you'd like and anything else you'd like us to know. We also invite you to fill out our online visitor form at wuu.org so we can connect with you later. At the end of the service, we have several options today. All are invited to stay in the main room to talk further with Heather and Laura about immigration, and other UUSC programs if you would like. And we will also have our usual breakout rooms to discuss the service, so that is an option too. We also have a special breakout group for new people. And just let us know in the chat at the end of the service if you'd like to join the group for newer folks. All the groups are facilitated and all are welcome.
Again, welcome. We are happy that you have joined us via live stream, audio, or video, or Zoom. Whether you have come seeking comfort, encouragement, or inspiration, you belong here. You are seen here, even if we cannot see you physically. If you are a visitor, we offer you a special welcome and a warm thank you for joining us online today. Now I invite you to join us in saying our welcoming words. As you say these words, speak them to each other and know that we are connected across time and space. The words are pasted in the Zoom chat. Let's say them together. We will unmute you. Come, 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 opening words this morning are adapted from Jack Mendelssohn. Here in this virtual sanctuary of ancient dreams and wisdom and beauty, we come to grow, to be healed, to stretch mind and heart, to be challenged, renewed, to be helped in our own continuing struggles for meaning and for love, to help build a world with more justice and mercy in it, to be counted among the hopers and doers. In the face of cynicism and brutality around us and within, we seek to align ourselves with a living community that would affirm rather than despair, that would think and act rather than simply adjust and succumb. Here we invite the spirit of our own humanity and the healing powers under, around, through and beyond it to give us nerve and grace, the toughness and sensitivity, to search out the truth that frees and the life that maketh all things new. Come, let us worship together. Now please join me in saying the words to light our chalice as we highlight Jess Hench today. If you have a chalice or candle handy nearby, please go ahead and light it now. And again, we'll unmute you and say the words together. 
We light the chalice for the warmth of love, the for the light of for the energy of action, for the harmony of peace. Peace in our hearts, peace in our communities, Today I have a story for you called The Parrot and the Eagles. This story is adapted from the Jakarta Tales, a collection of Buddhist stories from India. Once upon a time, a long time ago in an ancient forest, there lived a little green parrot. This parrot loved the forest. She loved the great big trees and the dappled sunshine. She loved her friends, the sloth and the anteater. She loved flying through the forest canopy and looking for yummy fruit in the branches. Sometimes, when she was feeling adventurous, she would even fly up and out of the forest. From there, she could see the river, which ran through the valley like a silk ribbon, and the mountains, which surrounded the forest, their tops disappearing into the clouds. Sturdy goats lived in the mountains, and giant eagles built their homes there. One day, the parrot woke up from a nap and found that her nest was surrounded in smoke. The forest was on fire. Quickly, the parrot flew up very high and looking down saw that the fire was spreading quickly. Soon it would consume the whole forest. Oh dear, said a deep voice next to the parrot. That is very sad. Parrot looked over and saw it was a giant eagle perched on a nearby mountain ledge who had spoken. It's a shame, really. It was such a nice forest, continued the eagle. But don't worry, little parrot. You can stay in the mountains. Here you will be safe. But my friends, said the parrot, sloth and anteater and all the monkeys and deer, they can't escape. What will happen to them? The eagle shrugged a bit with his large wings. The parrot soared above the forest, fretting as the fire spread, and then she got an idea. She dove down into the river and then flew back up again high, right over the fire. She shook her wings and a few drops of water fell onto the flames with a hiss. Quickly, she dove back into the river and repeated the process again and again. Dive, splash, fly, hiss. With all this strange action, it caught the attention of some of the other eagles who joined the first eagle on the mountain perch. After watching several rounds of the parrot diving and flying, putting out a little flame here and there, one of the eagles shouted, that will never work. Can't you see it's useless? Your wings are too small. You should give up. Without slowing down, the parrot shouted back, I may be small, but we're not small together. Together we can stop the fire. Will you help me? The eagle shuffled nervously. I mean, sure, it was a nice forest, but it wasn't like they lived there. And all this diving into rivers and flying over flames looked a little dangerous. The mountain ledge was safe. Then one of the eagles dove off the ledge and into the river below. Just like when she caught a fish there. She rose out of the river, her wide wings shimmering with water, and splashed it down onto the flames below. Hiss! <laughs> yeah! cried the parrot, and she dove back into the river herself. One by one, the other eagles followed, diving into the river and carrying water to put out the flames. It took all day and into the night, but finally the last orange flame disappeared, and the smoke vanished into the clouds over the mountains. The exhausted little green parrot slumped against her new eagle friend. See, said the parrot, I knew we were not small together. You were right, said the eagle. Together we were bigger than we ever imagined. The end. I invite you now to join me in a spirit of meditation, reflection, and prayer. If you are on Zoom, I invite you to type the names in the chat of those who are on your heart today. Let us reach out in loving presence to draw our circle wide. 
And on this last Sunday of our Soul Matters theme of beloved community, and as we enter the one year anniversary period of the lockdown, of the illnesses of those near and beloved to us, those here today, those we have lost, I wanted to say thank you and express gratitude to all of those who have continued here online. Some have chosen not to, but I have found these services very meaningful. The congregation has survived this year and thrived in many ways. May it continue to do so as the spring comes. And now holding all these loved ones and cares and joys in our hearts and in the light, I invite you to add your own silent prayers and meditations and invite you to consider what and who you are grateful for in this beloved community and what qualities you will bring to this community in the coming year. Blessed be.
each Sunday, we make an offering from the bounty we are blessed to enjoy. We do so in a spirit of generosity and in recognition of our ongoing commitment to serve our world and share our values. If you are joining for the first time, please feel free to give if you wish, but please know your presence is gift enough. Today, our offering will benefit the Journey to Asylum Project. And we have our own Jessica Sapilio to tell us more in just a moment. If you'd like to give through our website, please visit wuu.org and click Give Online to WUU. If you'd like to give by text, you can text the dollar amount to 757-500-0688 and follow the prompts. Or if you prefer to give by check, you can mail your check to WUU. And this information is in the chat. Thank you so much. And now we will hear from Jessica. I will also mention that both Jessica and Helen Hansen were featured in this week's Next Door Neighborhood Neighbor magazine that highlighted some of their activities with the church and for the community. And here comes Jessica. Thanks, Sue. Good morning, everyone. Um, just over a year ago, as we realized that the COVID pandemic was rapidly spreading through our country, our social justice team tried to identify our unique role in the response. Stay home and stay safe was the mantra and we envisioned a world in which everyone had a safe home. We were working with our local partners on housing and food insecurity exacerbated by the pandemic, but thought of those crossing our border seeking safety. Who was helping them? Who was keeping them safe from COVID, from detention, from the danger they were fleeing? Journey to Asylum became our answer. Through this program, we could get one step closer to making the world the safe one that we envisioned. And as you know, we started with a mom and her two small children. With your support, we not only provided a safe home, but a partnership, a friendship, and a slightly more just world. Your generosity has given this family warmth and protection, but also language classes, job training, medical care, and so much more. And most importantly, through Journey to Asylum, We've offered solidarity in this asylum process, which at times is isolating, traumatizing, and overwhelming. While we will continue to journey with this family for the next several months, we're beginning to think of the next family and creating a vision in safe, of safety and solidarity for more migrants. Our congregation has grown and learned a great deal through this process so far. And with the arrival of the COVID vaccine, we look forward to safely involving more volunteers with the program. In the next few weeks, we'll also be announcing an educational program to further delve into understanding the plight that immigrants face, ways that in which we can reach the vision of a world that we hold for immigrants in our country, and why this matters to our faith as you use. So stay tuned and look for more information on that coming soon. Your financial support is making all of this possible. We thank you for your generosity and your help in making the vision of a safe world for all a reality. Thanks so much. For each child that's born, a morning star rises and sings to the universe who we are. For each child that's born, a morning star rises and sings to the universe who we are. For each child that's born, a morning star rises and sings to the universe who for each child that's born, a morning star rises and sings to the universe who we are. We are our grandmother's prayers, and we are our grandfather's dreamings, and we are the breath of our ancestors. We are the spirit of God. We are. 
mothers of courage, fathers of time, daughters of dust, and the sons of great visions, we're sisters of mercy, brothers of love, lovers of life, and the builders of nations, we're seekers of truth, keepers of faith, makers of peace, and the wisdom of ages, we grandmother's prayers we are our grandfather's dreamings and we are the breath of our ancestors we are the spirit of god we are mothers of courage fathers of time daughters of dust and the sons of great visions we're sisters of mercy brothers of love lovers of life and the builders of nations we're seekers of truth and keepers of faith we are makers of peace and the wisdom of ages we are our grandmother's prayers we we are our grandfather's dreamings and we are the breath of our ancestors we the spirit of God we are our grandmother's prayers and we are our grandfather's dreamings we are the breath of our ancestors we are the spirit of God for each child that's born a morning star rises and sings to the universe child that's born, a morning star rises and sings to the universe who we are, we are Emergent strategies are ways of looking at the world, the natural world um, that we're a part of, and searching for collaborative efforts. Like where does collaboration happen? Where is right relationship happening between humans and the planet, between different parts of the planet? And what can we as a species learn about how to be in right relationship with each other and with the planet that we're living on? So emergent strategies really life moves towards life, longing moves towards longing. And if we're not also organized towards what we really want and what we long for, we will always settle into just reacting and trying to stop something bad from happening. One of my favorite examples right now from the net, you know, sort of the world of nature has been in this flooding that's been happening with the hurricanes, watching how ants have come together to survive. Um, and they form, they basically create a foundation of their own bodies, like a bottom layer of their own bodies that then other ants climb on top of and climb on top of until they create this floating mound that then is able to make sure that the majority of them survive until they come across something that is a higher ground. Right now we are drowning in the overwhelm of this political moment and the overwhelm of hard decisions. How do we reach out and hold on to each other knowing that holding on to each other makes us a more stable body that can actually float and not pushing each other down, not you know pushing each other under. Um, one of my favorite examples in the human world is actually the work of Black Lives Matter and the movement for Black Lives and feeling like this was emergent. It's not like someone sat down at a table and was like, I've got it all figured out. I know how we're going to catalyze black people into their liberation fight and taking direct action right now. That's not what happened. There was just a heartbreak. It really, to me, it grows out of a heartbreak. Like if you look at the original post that Alicia put, it was like, my heart is broken and our lives matter. And that that heartbreak was so catalyzed. Other people were like, yeah, how do we organize ourselves around what we long for and we believe in this moment when everything is telling us we don't matter? 
but we, we know we do. How do we move that? And that so many people answered that call and that they have really tried to hold like, oh, what does decentralization look like? How do we keep adapting to changing conditions? Things that organically emerge from a real desire and a real longing, those are the ones that catalyze the most other people. They're super compelling. Like when you see someone feeling a real emotion, that's what you want to move towards and, and be like, I want to be a part of this. It's not just getting me to sign my name on a petition. It's not just getting me to be a number in the street. You actually want me to care about my own life and my children's life. Yeah, I'm, I'm down for that. Friends, it is so good to be with you today. We're grateful to Reverend Horton Ludwig and to Siwaki for the invitation to join you today. And we're grateful to everyone here in this congregation who supported UUSC over the years and continues to do so as they can. And Williamsburg UUs, you have our thanks for being part of the Journey to Asylum project now. Thank you for all the ways you're living out your Unitarian Universalist values in the world in service of justice. For so many of these last few years and this last year especially, you seem to be an endless litany of one crisis after another. Climate force displacement, assaults on human rights, a deadly global pandemic. As these events and more a transition from acute to chronic, we must remember that going back to business as usual is not an option. Not if we seek to live up to the values we espouse and create a world with more justice, a world in which everyone's needs are met, a world that we call beloved community. This is a world built on love, a liberatory love, the kind of love that allows us to stay in the struggle until everyone is welcome, everyone is whole, everyone is free. This is what we're being called to now in so many ways, co-creating a beloved community that looks to partners, not saviors, that looks to justice, not the status quo. A community that reaches towards life, not harmful ideology. Dr. Cornell West reminds us that justice is what love looks like in public. And justice is central to the beloved community that we are trying to create. Justice, as is conceived of in much of American society, is often thought of as something separate from us an impartial system perhaps, or an objective ideal that somehow resides outside of human bonds. In reality though, relationship is at the core of justice. Justice is co-created between people and between community. And this means that justice is foundational to forming the beloved community. Author Rachel Naomi Remen describes justice work as service. She writes, when you help, you see life as weak. When you fix, you see life as broken. When you serve, you see life as whole. When we serve in this way, we understand that this person's suffering is also my suffering, that their joy is also my joy. We may help or fix many things in our lives, but when we serve, we are always in service of wholeness being in service of wholeness. This idea is also found in the words of the Australian indigenous activist, Lilla Watson, when she says, if you've come here to help me, you're wasting your time. But if you've come here because your liberation is bound up with mine, then let us work together. Activist and author Adrienne Marie Brown speaks to this when discussing emergent strategy, as she did in the video we just saw today of looking to instances of right relationship in the natural and human world and following their example. We see this in the movement for black lives where leadership is intentionally diffuse and organic, drawing on a wealth of experience and gifts that are inherent in the community itself. Far from diluting the power of the movement, this model of mutual support, affirmation and challenge strengthens it. The movement is creative and resilient, having the agility and flexibility to meet the needs of the moment when those needs are growing and changing daily. And these grassroots leadership models also provide the space for the moral imagination necessary today. 
this mutually supportive, morally grounded and imaginative community-based leadership exemplified by the Movement for Black Lives is what Brown points to as the animating force and redemptive power of justice work today. It is the foundation of beloved community, of life reaching toward life. The Unitarian Universalist Service Committee or UUSC is also a part of this journey. One that has shifted our work from charity to justice, from depending on a few key leaders to centering grassroots partnerships and leaderful movements. Founded in 1940 in response to the rise of fascism in Europe, UUSC began as a mission by a Unitarian minister and his wife, Waitstill and Martha Sharp, who traveled to Prague in order to do what they could to get as many Jews and political dissidents being targeted by the Nazis to safety. As the years went on, the Unitarian Service Committee, which later became UUSC, expanded its global work, sending aid to places around the world facing humanitarian crisis. Over time, our human rights work began to focus more on systemic justice issues, shifting to a model of partnership with grassroots organizations led by those most affected by injustice. Today, our work focuses on climate force displacement, crisis response, and migrant justice. While these initiatives may seem unrelated at first glance, they are at their core all interconnected. These issues are about the right to security within our homes, the right to restore our homes when they're ravaged by natural or human-made disaster, and the right to seek new homes elsewhere. It is this last right, the human right to migrate, the right to seek asylum, that inspired the UUSC program called the Congregational Accompaniment Project for Asylum Seekers. This collaborative accompaniment program called Journey to Asylum here at Williamsburg UU is a profound way to journey with and shelter people who are somewhere within the asylum process. Anti-immigration rhetoric, cruel enforcement policies, and the near complete dismantling of the US asylum process has been escalating in recent years, but this is in no way a new phenomenon. A new federal administration does not automatically mean that things will improve for those attempting to migrate to the United States. For instance, in 1994, the US government began implementing an immigration policy they called prevention through deterrence. This policy relies on increasing restrictions at checkpoints and militarizing populated areas along the US-Mexico border. This forces migrants to attempt travel through the inhospitable and often deadly mountainous desert landscape if they wish to enter the United States. Approximately 9,000 migrants are believed to have perished through the prevention through deterrence policy since it was implemented in the mid 1990s. And this is just one tiny sliver of the ways our country makes it nearly impossible to migrate here safely or legally. Within this context of immigration injustice in our country, many people both within and beyond migrant communities have looked for new ways to change this system. And this is where accompaniment comes in. All over the country, neighbors and friends have created networks to accompany migrants to immigration hearings, legal and medical appointments, and check-ins with ICE, which stands for Immigration and Customs Enforcement. They offer emotional care and comfort in times of stress and fear, provide a ride or translation services, or advocacy before a judge, meet migrants in transition at bus stations with supplies for their journey, and help them find secure housing and work. In all forms, accompaniment is an invitation to witness, to listen and to show up. It is a practice of being human together in the face of extremely dehumanizing systems and circumstances. For those of us who are not directly targeted by ICE, accompaniment brings us closer to the violence our immigration and criminal punishment systems creating opportunities to build relationships with those most impacted. As a result, many people who engage in accompaniment become deeply transformed, 
and grow more committed to disrupting these harmful systems and acting for a more liberated future for all of us. We are linked together in this work, friends, both because of our shared Unitarian Universalist values and also by your commitment to offer shelter and material aid to our neighbors seeking asylum. Your participation in the Journey to Asylum project is one of the many ways we are partnering together in service of the beloved community, as you heard from Jessica earlier. By being in solidarity with and sharing resources with someone seeking asylum in a tangible way, you are saying yes to justice, yes to community, yes to that which affirms life. This is one of the countless ways we become beloved community, even as we seek to create it. We each have a role to play in its creation. Each of us bring our broken, growing selves in service of wholeness. Recognizing that your liberation is bound up with mine and that no one is free until everyone is free. Beloved community is leaderful, joy-filled, imperfect, challenging, and flexible. It is life reaching towards life. But before we can build that beloved community, we have to be able to imagine it. My friend and UUSC colleague, Heather Vickery, is going to help us do that now. Oh, thank you, Laura. Good morning, friends. I am so happy to be here with you all today. In the video we watched before, Adrienne Marie Brown says, if we are not also organized towards what we really want, and what we long for, we will always settle for just reaching, reacting and trying to stop something bad from happening. I think most of us resonate with that feeling of always needing to react against something bad. And I bet you can also understand how frustrating and demoralizing that can be. So if we want to do our justice work more effectively and more faithfully, we have to have a vision of the world we want not just the world we don't want. So that's what we're gonna do today. We're gonna start imagining what the beloved community actually looks and feels like to each of us. So I'm gonna invite you into a brief visioning practice. I ask you to take a moment to settle your body into a comfortable position. Maybe that means grounding your feet to the floor like the roots of a great oak tree. Maybe that means relaxing your head and letting your chin dip down a bit so that your head is closer to your heart. Maybe that means leaning your head back as if your head is really in the clouds, as they say, as you imagine. Maybe it's something completely different. If you're comfortable doing so, Close your eyes or soften your gaze. Take a deep breath in. And as you release the breath, notice your muscles. Are they clenched from worry? Where are you most tense? Take another deep breath in. And as you release the breath, try to unclench them. Keep breathing. Loosen, loosen, baby. You don't have to carry the weight of the world in your muscles and bones. Let go, let go, let go. Loosen, loosen, baby, you don't have to carry the weight of the world in your muscles and bones. Let go, let go, let go. Loosen, loosen, baby, you don't have to carry the weight of the world in your muscles and bones. Let go, let go, let go.
Now in this more relaxed state, imagine that we have made it. We have arrived to the beloved community together where there is no war and no poverty, no borders and no prisons. Bring yourself fully into that future time when we have arrived and we are together in the beloved community. Notice all the senses that are being activated for you. They may be different for each of us. What do you see? Can you hear anything? Is there a smell? What do you taste? What can you feel? Who's there with you? What are we doing together? Take a deep breath in as you continue to notice what the beloved community is like. Slowly breathe out. As we slowly and gently come back to the present moment, take some time to notice how the beloved community made you feel. Did something stick with you in particular? A sound, an image, etc. If you feel comfortable doing so, let us know what that touchstone was, that touchstone of your experience in the chat so that we can start to share our visions of the beloved community together. My colleague and friend Angela Kelly taught me that practice and it has had a profound impact on not just my mental health and my ability to stay in this work for the long haul, but also how I do the work right now. I'm sure you know as well as I do that it's a lot easier to be the person you want to be in this world when you're filled up with peace and possibility rather than frustration and fear. And you see, for me, I imagine the beloved community as a true community meal. Food plays a large part in my life. I love to feed people. I love trying new foods. And I love to connect with people over meals. This is a general trait of my family. We often return from vacations and spend, you know, the first hour or so of describing said vacation just talking about the food we ate. So it didn't surprise me that the very first time I did this practice, that a meal was what I imagined. And as I'm brought back to that place, I know that the food we are sharing tastes like the joy of knowing that no one is hungry. That the laughter I hear sounds like true liberation, a type of laughter that can only be heard when no one is behind bars and that the people I am with feel like home because I know everyone else in the world has shelter. Just talking about it now, I can hear the clink of forks and knives on plates that is one of my touchstones from that time. And it fills me with peace and honestly brings some tears to my eyes. I miss that world, even though I've never physically been there. And so when I'm struggling with all the injustices in this world and feeling overwhelmed and like I have to respond to all of them or feeling like nothing I do can ever make a real difference, I go back to that place, to that vision. I let it wash over me and I ask myself, what will get me closer to that world right now? How am I different when I'm in that place and how can I start living that way in the here and now? What is my work to do? The work that combines my passions and my skills and gets us all closer to the beloved community. 
by keeping that vision close at hand, I know that whatever direction I decide to go in, whatever work I decide to do, it will get me to the same place. And that all the trials and tribulations along the way will be more than worth it. So now I ask you, how will you get to your vision of the beloved community? We hope today that we've inspired your imagination, that you've learned something, and that you will join us in traveling together on this road. We are very excited to see how we can practice together living in the world that we long for right now. Amen, and let it be so. Now let us say, the words to extinguish the chalice. And we invite you to blow out your candle at the same time. We will paste the words in the Zoom chat and we will unmute you and do this together. <coughs> we extinguish this flame for the fire Thank you all again for inviting us here today. And we'll close out with a reading by Andrea Hawkins Camper called Be About the Work. May we see all as it is and may it all be as we see it. May we be the ones to make it as it should be. For if not us, who? If not now, when? This is answering the cry of justice with the work of peace. This is redeeming the pain of history with the grace of wisdom. This is the work we are called to do. And this is the call we answer now. To be the barrier and the bridge to be the living embodiment of our principles, to be about the work of building the beloved community, to be a people of intention and a people of conscience. <laughs>